Every little thing when I was younger growing up, I just took it to the heart like this is the fucking end of the world. Shit happens, you get screwed a lot, but at the end of the day, as long as you can kind of fight through it and just learn from it, everything's gonna be all right. Hello everyone and welcome back to Short Story Long. I wanna start off by saying I apologize to my weekly listeners. I apologize for missing the last two weeks and being a little bit flaky. Uh, the honest reason why is this, the holidays mixed with my birthday was on December 4th, Thanksgiving I was out of town, and as all of you may or may not know, um, a lot of people go on vacation around this time of year, and a lot of people are just kind of generally in and out, and so I had trouble locking down guests, and people were canceling, and everyone was traveling, and that's the real reason, so um, moving forward, I can promise you that I will do a better job, and I can also promise you to those of you that really enjoy the podcast and listen every week, I'm making a lot of additions for next year. Uh, not only improving the quality of the audio, but also adding video um, with little video segments for YouTube and Facebook, and just a lot of little things, continuing the guests, continuing to clean up the format and everything. So trust me when I say that this is uh, far from the end or far from a hiatus of short story long. We're still going strong, but um, it's actually the beginning of what's going to be really great. And on top of that, I redesigned, you'll see the new avatar photo short story long, updated that with a picture of my smiling little face and a little bit easier to read font. So I'm constantly working to, to make this thing better. The, the listeners are constantly growing every single week and I see that people are really enjoying it. So to me, that's all I wanted in the world. That's so important. I'm gonna keep it going. I'm gonna keep building however I can. This week, we'll get right into it. I'm interviewing the owner of Leverage and Leverage is a sales agency, but also they own a bunch of brands. Um, embellished Denim, Crisp Denim, Foundation Footwear, House of Junior, uh, and, and a lot more. Um, Chris was great for this podcast because he really is a guy who, who started from nothing in Southern California, in Santa Ana, where a lot of people think that everything's just beaches and, and blondes, but it's actually, there's a really rough part of, of Santa Ana and of Orange County, and, and that's where Chris grew up, and he grinded it out, and he went to college. He didn't know what for, but he knew he should go to college and he got a degree, and then, um, you know, whatever, I'll let him tell his story. But it's a great story this week. I really enjoyed listening to how Chris just was smart and just had a, has a good head on his shoulders and just takes the next step and the next step and the next step and now has built this massive conglomerate doing sales and owning brands. So this is a great story out there for any of you entrepreneurs, also anyone interested in starting brands, uh, how to get your foot in the door, how to make that happen. So without further ado, we are back. Short story long, let's go. The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product. Can you tell somebody that they suck? You gotta just go for this it. This is exactly what I wanna do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it's scared you, you should probably do good it. Good content is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. All right. Chris No is no, right? Yeah. It's Chris Welcome no. to Short Story Long. Thank you for coming up here and doing this. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, where are you guys located at? Uh, we're in Orange County. Our operations in Irvine. Got it. And have you always been, the company's always been there? Um, it's been all in Orange County. We yep. started off um, 
we started off small and uh, working out of a, a small little office. And then from there, we went to downtown Santa Ana. Got and then from Santa Ana, we moved over to another office. And we're on our fifth office in the last four years. Crazy. Yep. Jesus, five and four years? Yeah, five and four years, right? What, uh, are you from Orange County? Yeah. What, um, what's childhood like in Orange County? Oh, man, it just depends because there's like two levels of Orange County. The one you see on TV and yeah. the one I, I, I grew up in. I grew yeah. up in down in Santa Ana. So the area we're at, you know, heavily populated with Hispanics, Asians. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. I was in like a really bad part of Santa Ana. Yeah. It's funny because when growing up in Ohio, um, what's funny is the show, the OC was literally on the air when I was yeah. a child. But, yeah. uh, but you just think like, number one, you think all of Southern California is the same. Mm-hmm. And you think that it's just like this incredible... Uh, blonde-haired girls, everybody surfs. I remember for me, like, because yeah. I grew up skateboarding, and skateboarding, you were like, you were a huge outcast in Ohio for skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. Come on in, Travi. Travi in the house. Travi. Okay, so funny story for the listeners. Travi worked with us at Young and Reckless pretty much from day one until about two months ago. So that's a hard six years and some change. And just went to work for Chris. So that's the connection that Chris and I have is Travi, who just walked in the building. Travi! <laughs> So maybe at the end, Travi can say like what he likes and dislikes about, well, no, I guess he could only say that about me. He couldn't compare. Anyway, so uh, you kind of have that impression, and, and it's just uh, when you're growing up in Ohio, skateboarding's so weird. It's probably different now yeah. after like r- what Rob did and like mm-hmm. it being so mainstream, but, um, and you just dream of like what it must be like growing up in Orange County because skateboarders are awesome. Oh, Everyone yeah. has blonde hair, but... Now that I live here, I know that there are really parts, especially in Santa Ana, that are not like what you saw on the OC. Oh, for sure. I grew up in like the the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. And during the time I grew up in Orange County, it was like heavy, heavily gang related. Yep. And so, I mean, you can go to the mall and you'd probably be hit up by the time you're, you reach like the food court. And yeah. it, it was that crazy. So for me, like watching the OC growing up, it's different, you know, yeah. you've seen surf, skate, and it wasn't like that at all, especially the area that I, I grew up in. How nuts. And did you have brothers or sisters? Uh, I had two older brothers, but they're a lot older than I was. Got it. And did you ever go through phases of, like, getting in trouble and, like, kind of being pulled towards that stuff or not really? You know, the situations, I grew up kind of different. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up into, like, basketball and whatnot, too, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of people that grew up around that was into that shit. And mm-hmm. um, I was a little bit smarter. I, was, I, I grew up with my parents and... I grew up in like a traditional Vietnamese house where I was just like super terrified of my parents if I didn't get like straight yeah. A's. And yeah. so um, the shit that I did, I did was just to, you know, stay book smart, played a lot of basketball yeah. and whatnot. So that kept me out of trouble. So that's what kept you out of it was basketball and just school and paying attention. Yeah. yeah. And being just scared of shit listening to my, <laughs> yeah. my pops and shit. That's funny, man. Um, did you ever think you were going to be in the NBA? Dude. Every kid playing basketball thought they were in the NBA until yeah. I was like a sophomore in high school. Then I'm like, yo, I'm five feet eight. I'm not going to I'm not going to yeah. get to the league. It's funny. I interviewed, uh, I think it was D, my, my partner, mm-hmm. and he loved sports, thought for sure he was going to be in the NBA. And then one day his parents sat him down and were like, look, you're Indian <laughs> and you're five, you know, whatever. Five, yeah. five, you're not, you're not going to grow. Yeah. You got to let go of that dream. <laughs> I think that's an important, like, I have to remember as a parent, like, it's important to tell your kids to chase their dreams up until a certain point. Oh, for sure. Like the kids that tell their, or the parents that tell their kids they have a beautiful voice when they sound like shit and are just <laughs> never going to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Um, so what, did you then go to college? Yeah, I went to college. What? I went to Cal State Fullerton. Um, I was an undergrad major. Oh man, I switched my major so many times. I was told ter- I was so terrible at math that yep. I had to switch my major w- with whatever was like the lowest math I can get, just so I can get a degree. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like my parents were like, "Yo, you're Asian. You have to get a, 
you have to get a degree. I don't care. If, I don't give a shit what degree you get. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, what's the easiest way for me to graduate? They're just like communications advertising. I was like, all right, that's my degree. That's that, that's my major. So that was with no plan, no like, oh, this is what I'm gonna be when I get nah, older. dude, I right? just needed to get the hell out of there. I, I spent five and a half years in college. Jesus. Yeah. And was there any goal of? Did you have long term? Did you envision any of this or no? Not at all. I, I kind of almost like fell into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, after I graduated college, um, I got into the mortgage industry. I was doing, uh, I was a loan officer, you know, wow. like everybody and their aunt was, right? Yeah. It was like, was quick, that when real estate was just cracking? Yeah, it was yeah, cracking, okay, okay. you know, and I caught the tail end of it, you know, we, you know, making some pretty decent uh, money mm -hmm. at the age of like 22 years old. Yeah, that's dope. And then, you know, I've always been into uh, sneakers and shoes and whatnot. And so after I got, after my company went out of business, I think it was my roommate. Um, one of my roommates was dating this dude that had a clothing brand called Franco Shade, like way back okay. in like 2000 and shit, 2004, 2005. Okay. So uh, he was like, hey, Chris, you know what? Why don't you come help me out? Go to a trade show with me. It was magic. This was back in the day when it was yeah. at that North Hall, yeah. the South Hall, when it was huge. So I was like, all right, man, I'm not doing jack shit right now anyways. Um, I, went to, I went to the show with him, just kicking it, hanging out, just going for the parties from what, you know, he was telling me. Yeah. So I just went there, you know, just working the booth, just helping him out, just answering questions and shit. Um, I was talking to some random dude about sneakers. Uh -huh. And then he asked about the collection and he was just like, yo, I want to write an order for this. I was like, cool. <laughs> how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> do you want to loan a mortgage by any chance? <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, and then he was, he hit me aside. He was like, yo, the dude wants to write an order. Just write it out. And I was like, all right, cool. He was like, I'll take a 5, 10, 10, 5 across the board. I'm mm -hmm. like, what the hell does that mean? Damn. You know, I'm like, yeah. what is this? He was like, five smalls, 10 mediums, 10 extra larges, and five, uh, I mean, five smalls, 10 mediums, 10 large, and 10, uh, five extra larges. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I wrote it out, scribbled it. It was like a $15,000 PO. He's like, yo, here's my credit card. Just send it to me and it's ready. Jesus. And then my, my dude was always like, yo, you made 10% of that. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, yo, I'm going to pay you 10% on every order you collected. So I sat at that trade show for like the next four days. I'm just like sitting there just talking to anybody and everybody, taking any business card I possibly can. Yeah. And so into the show, I think I wrote like fifty or $60,000 on the first show. So I made like five sacks. I was yeah. like, damn, this is tight. And was yeah. that, that was even a lot compared to what you were doing with the mortgage stuff, right? I mean, it was comparable, you yeah. know, it was comparable, but, but the thing is, it's a lot more fun. I was working like 7 a.m. to like 7 p.m. at the mortgage, wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. Shit sucked. And especially in those days, like magic was sick. Oh, magic you know was I mean? so like, sick. Like that stuff's still fun, but like think for kids, think like complex con, but like even doper at the time and just oh, business nothing, being done. Nothing compares, like, dude. Yeah. I remember our first show, we were sitting at the campground and I'm sitting there and then to the left is... Pele Pele, mm -hmm. and then you had Gino Green Global, and you had Averex, you know, and it's just like the show was just crazy. You have women walking around half naked, spray yeah. painted. You got tigers, bears, and all sorts of crazy rappers. Shit. And rappers. Somebody got stabbed one year outside yeah, the Rockefeller yeah. booth. Yeah, yeah. Man, the man. show's just not like that anymore. I mean, they uh, they watered it. They didn't water it down, but they made it a lot more PG. Well, and the business took such a hit. Like that was also when. That business was just booming, and there was so much. You know what I mean? Like now, oh. nobody's gonna walk up to any booth and just say, "Give me a fifteen thousand dollar order out of nowhere." Yeah, you know true, what I mean? True, like true. it's just, it just took the. I I feel like right now, if if shit just got crazy and the <clears throat> clothing economy was just massive, there'd probably be some tigers back in there. Oh yeah, and some people oh, stabbing yeah. each other. I remember back in the day, just going to the show, and LRG had this crazy booth that was like a build out house. Yeah, and they would just have their whole crew just hanging out there, and I'm just like, what's going on over there? It used to be like rapping, man. Oh, it, it was, was like awesome. different, like it was awesome. crews and people beefing. 
How cool. Okay, so then is that when you would say that was the moment when you kind of like were like, okay, this is something I like here? Man, he was, it was, I took a little bit of my knowledge in the mortgage industry because I was cold calling. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I just took all the, like, the business cards that I had, put it on an Excel spreadsheet. It came back. I got like a headset like from my old office, put it on, <laughs> just started calling everybody. I think my first season after that, I booked something like 100, 150,000 on yeah. the first season. And prior to that, he didn't really do much in, in sales before that. That's dope. Yeah. So then you got 15K off of that. <laughs> Pretty much. So you're like, okay, I'm off to the races. Yeah, yeah. So how long did you work there with him? Uh, I was there for like about two to three years. And then I jumped ship from there over to this brand called I'm King. Yep. And, and when so, was that? What year was that? Oh, man. I think that was 2000 and I want to say 2006, 2007. Okay. Damn, they've been around forever. Yeah. I mean, I was there at I'm King like their first six months they went in business. Yep. And then after that, we were, I, I was with them for eight years before they went out of business. Jesus. What um, were they at the time? Were they growing quickly or what was their sort of I mean, life sort, like? I mean, at that time, you didn't know better just because I was the oldest person at that office. Yep. The owners were Andy and Polo and they're like 21, 22 years old. Yep. And I was 25 years old. I was the oldest person <laughs> in the office. So, so crazy. So like, like, I'm the one that's like, yo, we should do this. We should do that. But most of the time it's like a... How do you say, uh, you know, you're learning as you fuck up? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And the so it was a lot. Of, the school of fucking up. <laughs> yeah, we fucked up a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Um, so then when, so did you leave there because they went out of business? Is that? No, nah, the situation was this. It was like me and my, that's where I met my business partner, Lee. Okay. And so I was the sales manager and he was an intern at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I promoted him to a sales rep. And then me and him were just, we're doing well. I mean, the brand was doing well for what we thought it was doing. Yeah. And then it just got to a situation where we weren't just producing. It was, we would book orders and because of, you know, money situations, we couldn't fulfill any of the orders. And yeah. so as sales reps, you get paid off a of commission, right? Yeah. And it's like, I think the season was something like, we booked something like $600,000 in orders. Yeah. Yeah. We shipped 160. Jesus. So, you know, we're looking at each other like, yo, we can't be doing this. Yeah. And so uh, we came up with a plan. We were like, hey, what if we got together and made an agency? And so this is how the leverage started. So yeah. me and my business partner, Lee, um, we were like, hey, let's just get a handful of these brands together. Yeah. Um, let's just rep them and let's just go from there. So me and Lee, we, we devised the plan. We got the team together. We got a bunch of brands. We started off with like a handful of six brands, yeah. solid brands too. Yeah. And how'd you go? Did you just go around to people and say, hey, we wanna, we're starting this thing and we want to work with you? You know, the crazy thing is Orange County is so small in the clothing industry. Everybody kind of knew everybody. Yeah. And so at that time, you know, the first couple of brands that we got was um, my business partner found Rasta Clot and Rustic Dime. Yeah. Um, I did. I pulled in the seventh letter, published Mishka and Radii Shoes. And that was just from knowing people who knew people. Yeah. And they, did they just know that you had done such a good job at I Am King and the other places they just trusted you at that point? Yeah, pretty much. It was just like, you're only as good as your reputation. Yeah. You know, and everybody knew that, you know, we did some work. So, so that's how they gave us the alley-oop. They're like, okay, cool. Go ahead and take this. Yeah. That's incredible. So then you go around, you start all this stuff. You really have, I mean, that must have felt like a pretty big leap to you at the time, no? Like, were you scared of like, shit, now we have six brands that we have to or, or did you you know at the time we at the time we were just thinking we're like hey how can we start a business and make the most money and not have to invest as much any money at all yeah. like okay sales so we're just taking on top you yeah. know um what you know, did you, you work out of uh, we were working out of the publish office got it okay yeah so when we started that's you know we were working out of their office we took like a room probably smaller than this yeah um and we were doing the west coast sales for publish and the southwest um, and we flying all around and all that stuff man we were just driving just yeah. a lot of driving that's a big like people don't understand in sales 
um, there's some shitty days. Oh, there's a lot of like, shitty there's days. some like packing up the car or the suitcase or the oh. whatever and the driving and the unloading your entire season uh-huh. into a room and saying, hey, here's what we got. Like, it's just people don't understand in clothing. That's a really that's one of the like. Oh, it's shitty. The it, hard work. Oh, it's shitty. I drove this Isuzu Axiom for a while just because it was like the only SUV I had at the yeah. at the time. And then I'm and I was a West Coast rep, so I'm driving to Chino Hills. I'm driving to LA like daily, yeah. just dropping off orders, talking to reps. And my business partner has an even crazier one. He does the Southwest. So I remember at I'm King, he was like, "Hey man, what do you think if I did a road trip?" I mean, like, okay, cool. What's your road trip? Oh, I'm man. thinking about just going from here all the way to Houston over to Florida driving and I'm like yo do you man do go ahead Florida. yeah so this dude uh gets one of his buddy this dude gets one of his buddies to go with him and he literally just says hey I'm just gonna map this out I'm gonna drive all the way over I'm gonna visit all these stores so I can do some you know face-to-face business yeah and so that's the reason why you know his relationships are so strong in that territory because he he put out the work to see every single one of these guys from Louisiana, Alabama, Atlanta, Miami, that whole area. And you have to go like take the, I mean, were you doing the like take them to dinner, become friends? Pretty much it's like, you know, it's like anything. It's like you're smoozing, you know? Yeah. And you got to build relationships because at the same time, you got to think these stores and these buyers, how many people they talk to a day? Yeah. You know, emails, text messages, um, just phone calls. They yeah. get a day. So they got to be able to be like, oh, dude, this is Lee. I'm not going to screen his call. This is Chris. I'm not going to screen his call. Yeah. I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, that's a tough one. Man. Yeah, it's such a it's something that I will say, like when I first started and we've had it pretty easy here mm-hmm. at Young and Reckless, to be honest, because our um, independent retailer business was never that big. Mm-hmm. We really focused on big box for this brand. Mm-hmm. And so even though, yeah, I mean, I personally have had some long nights, you know, in uh, wherever that even was. uh Kansas City for the buckle and like random <laughs> yeah, shit, yeah, right? Yeah, when you're yeah. just at some shitty hotel by yourself and you have to go in and like yeah. be the guy from Fantasy Factory. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but uh, but it was never too bad, you know. Mm. But it was one thing that when I got into it and I saw our sales reps doing the work and whatever, like it's shitty. It's a it's a like I said, oh, yeah. I can't stress enough how much it's. There's parts of it that are worse than working in the warehouse. Oh yeah, you know I, I mean, it's, I I had this trip where I had to go visit every Zoomy store from here all the way up to San Francisco. Jesus. So I visited everything from like Fresno, Bakersfield. Um, with samples? No, not with samples. We had to just visit stores just to see like, you know, your competition and just visit the yeah. managers and give out promo. And so one of the brands that I did, you know, made me do it. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So it took us like five days, just driving straight up the coast, just yeah. visiting all these stores. And I'm like, God damn, how many times can I eat at Annie Annie's? You <laughs> no know? shit, yeah. And like, how many times am I gonna eat at fucking, uh, uh, eat at Wendy's. Yeah, you know it's yeah. all bad and like Motel Sixes and everything. No, it's not the business. It's crazy too because now you can you know not that it eliminates having to do that, but with social media and with all that stuff, you can connect with managers as well as fans by showing your stuff online, mm. right? Uh-huh. Which in those days, like I mean, I don't know exactly what year did you start Leverage? Oh, I started Leverage 2012. So and even in those times that you're talking about, like it just you had to go. There's you no had to. way around. You it. had to. Like they're not following you on Instagram. Oh, yeah. They don't know anything about you unless mm. you show up and take them to Wendy's oh yeah <laughs> and now it's crazy because social media you can reach so many people so fast yeah it's like if you're a brand and you didn't know any better you can search through hashtags and other brands and and by the end of the day you can get like a 
like a store list of 70 stores. Yeah. Just because of social media. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And cool. back, in, back in the day, you know, as a sales rep, that was your bread and butter is just like finding contacts and finding leads. Yeah. You want to know what else is crazy is like similar to, uh, it's very comparable to music in some, uh, the music industry in some aspects where it used to be where you kind of like the record labels were kind of the gatekeepers, right? And you had to get to them and you had to schmooze them and get them to want to sign you, mm -hmm. right? Now, because of the internet, the record labels are chasing artists around, right? It's like mm -hmm. who can build up their, like 21 Savage just signed a deal yep. right now. That's yeah. insane. And he mm -hmm. had every label beating down his door. So similar things are happening in clothing in the sense of, you can build a brand on social media and on oh, yeah. e-com, and you can have retailers beating down your door, oh, yeah. offering you checks uh -huh. to sell to them, yeah. which I is mean, so weird. And the crazy thing about us too is because you know after our second year when we started a you know started our first brand that was a situation we got on social media with a brand, um, and the brand that we started was Embellish, right? Yeah. Um, we partnered up with one of our uh, with one of our buddies. His name's David. He had a brand that's going on for a while. So me and my business partner Lee were like, Hey, David, let's we had this idea for these denim let's mm -hmm. just put this under your brand since we don't have one you know mm -hmm. and then um at that time you know we didn't know better like really really didn't know better yeah and so uh what it was was uh lee and david went out to asia you know they found this random factory yeah. um and then the rest is history i gave them a bunch of samples that i had of jeans that i liked and mm -hmm. i was just like yo let's just start this this denim line so you know we started making biker denim so pretty much how it started it's like you're looking at a like washes from my own personal closet yeah mixed it with you know biker denim and then the rest <laughs> is history yeah so i'm taking i'm taking inspiration from my closet you know dior home i'm taking stuff mm -hmm. from mark jacobs from saint laurent from just all sorts of shit mm -hmm. just all sorts of and shit and it's amazing how close people can get to knocking that off oh yeah you know what i mean, oh, yeah. I mean you can we obviously oh, yeah. like we take a lot of that same inspiration oh, and yeah. it's like you can get a good, pretty damn close. Oh yeah, you know. And the craziest thing is, you know, we we come back with just like going in blind, just getting our order and just like posting, you know, giving it to a handful of our accounts. And next thing you know, we put, you know, we get a social media going on and it starts cracking. We're just yeah. like, holy shit, this is crazy. What year was that? This is two thousand and oh geez, I think it was two thousand fourteen. And so that was your first. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first brand you guys decided to just start. Yeah. And was that because like, I mean, you, you kind of explained it, but because like, well, shit, we know how to do all the sales. Mm -hmm. Let's make here's an opportunity for a cool brand. We can piece that together. Oh, or? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the sales reps are the most like uh, most beaten on position ever. Yeah. Because you do all the work and it happens all the time. A, a sales rep will be so good where he builds this brand. I was just going to ask you, you know? what happened to you. Yeah, he'll build his brand, get him X amount of money, and then, you know, when the contract's up, they're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to bring this in-house, and I'm going to pay somebody less. Yeah. And that's normally, that's the reason why the leverage started, because we were just repping all these brands and just doing that, and every single season, every single time our contract is up, that we get pulled back, and the next thing you know, you got me and my business partner looking around like, fuck, what's next? Yeah. You know, who are we, who else are we going to rep? And then at the t at the time, dude, I'm older. You know, I got I got a family. I got to I got to find job security. Yeah. And especially the fact that when we were building the leverage, we had a bunch of reps too. Yeah. And then you know, for me to tell the rep like, hey, F uh, such and such is pulling out because the contract's up. Yeah. It's like fuck. What are we doing next? Yeah. And so you know, that was our game. That was our next game plan. Is just starting brands under the leverage that we would also own as well. Got it. Yeah, man, that's an interesting because there's no way around it. And I also have seen it from our side too, where like you a sales guy blows up your brand. And here's the thing, it's the age old, like the sales guy knows all the work that they did to build, to blow up the brand. Mm -hmm. And of course the people with the brand and every brand it's different, 
feel like they did the work. Always. Right? always. So always there's, it's that age-old struggle of mm-hmm. who did all the work. And then you get to the point where you're paying your sales guy a million plus a year and yeah. you're like god damn it we could really easily cut our oh yeah cut yeah, our yeah, costs yeah. here if we so it's such a it's such an age-old problem that i don't know the answer to other than what you guys have yeah done. and you know the worst thing is this at first i was really sour about it and now me being like the, an owner on the other side yeah. i'm like i get it you know so for all the anger i had before with all these brands that i that i worked with i was so pissed off about it yeah. and now i'm looking at it now it's like okay i get it i see where you're coming yeah. from and, and not to be too like uh uh deep here but like it's just the epitome of you're gonna handle it one way or the other you're gonna get bitter about it and just mm-hmm. be a bitter old sales guy yep. or you're gonna take it and mm-hmm. find an answer yep. you know what I mean which is what you guys did yep. so you so 2014 is like when social media was really like just getting cracking yeah um, so then you started embellish and and you're saying that you just kind of felt the good feedback just coming like you just felt the kind of yeah yeah buzz so i mean with the buzz and that I mean because we've had so much experience doing you know selling denim yeah um and we just felt the buzz on that and then from there you know we just started you know started popping off other brands yep and did you go through just the same routine then with embellish and just go to stores and hit them up and say this is what we got and, yeah you know? you know the crazy thing was this it's like okay we're selling there was no, nothing different from selling embellish and selling the brands that we rep because the only thing different was that now we're doing the own production, we're doing the own logistics and everything, but yeah. the dollar amount was exactly the same, you yeah. know, if not even better. Yeah. And then that took off pretty quick? That took off really quick. And you were like, okay, we, we're on to something. Here. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is what we should be doing. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, are you still repping all these other brands or, or how many other brands do you have that you just do sales for? Oh, uh, dude, um, in our agency right now, we have uh, embellished that we own in-house. Um, mm-hmm. Chris is the ours in-house. House of Juniors is ours. Mm-hmm. Um, Foundation Footwear, which is ours as well, mm-hmm. and Lifted Anchors is ours. And the only two brands in our showroom that we don't own is yeah, EPTM and Veritas. Jesus. How long after you, how long after Embellish took off, like, did you start to drop brands or did it just, was it a natural sort just, of transition? Honestly, it became a situation where when Embellish was doing so well, the other brands in our agency were just like, you know, they're feeling kind of like sour about it. They're yeah. like, okay, these guys are obviously more invested in this brand because it's theirs. Yeah. And so, you know, at the same time, it's easier now because we haven't had to drop a brand or add any brand in the last two years. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then how quickly did you do, did you start brand number two after Embellish started working? Uh, I think it was about six months. I mean, House of Junior was probably the next brand, uh, next brand next. So talk about House of Junior um, for a second. What is, what is that exactly? So House of Junior is a brand that actually I didn't want to do. So what it was is my wife, mm-hmm. she's always been bugging me about doing a kid's line. Yep. Like since, since we had since we had our firstborn, mm-hmm. right? And so our situation was that, you know, being parents, you're looking for clothes that aren't that cool, you know? So the, your uh, your chances are, you know, you're looking at Old Navy, Gap, and yep. whatnot. And so she was just bugging about, like, you know, just starting a kid's brand. And I was just like, oh, I don't have enough time for this because, you know, Embellish is kind of doing this thing. So she was just like, I'm going to do this with or without you. And then I'm like, all right, fine, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And so what we did is we just, I just went into my closet and I was just like, all right, well, you know, if I'm going to dress a kid, I'm going to dress it cool. So I was just taking all the inspiration, the shit that I liked, and yeah. I just kind of shrunk it, you know? Yeah. So John Elliott, Fear of God, you know, Balmain, St. Laurent, just made it smaller. Yeah. Um, and then we started off the first season, you know, just making it domestically um, all the tops and um, overseas for all the bottoms. So, we, you know, we were we were just sampling and just doing that. It was a small operations at first, and then it just led to here. Did you start it on e-com or? Yeah, exactly. We started on just e-com. And then now it's at retailers, right? Yeah, it's at retailers. Where's it at now? Uh, geez, we're in Barney's. We're in uh, uh, 
we're in Barney's, we're in Lane Crawford overseas, we're in uh, New in Vegas, yep. we're in uh, Traditions, we're in Revolve. Uh, we're in like at least 100 plus stores. Yeah. And was that again just from kind of the salesman's strategy of just hitting people up and saying, you know hey, what we it is? It's because we have the contact. You know, yeah. we like my, my roller decks of accounts that we work with is like 500 plus stores. Yeah. And so getting us to like throw something in is going to be quick. Yeah. You know, like most guys, like most brands that don't, you know, don't have the relationships for them to get. X amount of uh, eyes on it, it's going to be hard. But for us, it's like, okay, I can get a brand and then I can throw it into 100 stores within the next uh, first two months. Mm -hmm. That's not even an issue. It's just interesting because I think 99% of brands are started in clothing are started by either <clears throat> a designer or a marketer, mm -hmm. right? Except for like the big, you know, New York uh, yeah, yeah. money guys. But um, it's rare, I think, that brands are started by sales guys. <laughs> yeah, And right? it's an interesting thing because you kind of eliminate, like for me, so many, I can't even tell you how many people have came to me and said, you need to do Young and Reckless Kids lines, mm -hmm. right? Because my kid would love, blah, blah, blah. My baby is so Young and Reckless. Yeah. Not only is that just not where I want to take the brand, but I, to be honest, I don't even know where to begin on tracking mm -hmm. down accounts that even sell that, yeah. right? And it would even do that right. Yeah. Um, and But it just is really interesting how for you guys, you approached it from the other way like if you can build the brand which you can do mm -hmm. relatively easily and conceptualize mm -hmm. it whatever you know how to get it to people yeah and that's a really interesting yeah different I think, approach i think our situation too is that we don't want to put everything under one brand um i think yeah. that's like that's what people people do that kind of fuck up a brand it's yeah. like okay well you have this one brand and you want to go in all these different categories yep. and for us we're like hey this brand is doing really well in denim let's let it stick to denim and start this other brand that's just only on kids mm -hmm. and start this other brand that's only on tops Yep. start this other brand that's only on footwear so it's exactly what we were doing we're like yo if we put everything under one what if that brand takes a shit and people yep. don't buy it no more then now we're fucked yep. you know so like my, my train of thought is okay we have all these various brands that we do and if this one falls off let's just concentrate on the other ones yeah yeah it's smart what um what was then after uh what was next what was the next brand you started Oh, the next brand we started was, uh, well, I mean, what it was was Lifted Anchors was uh, was started even before us, exactly like how, how Embellish started already. Yep. And so what we did is we partnered with them to take over their pretty much their production, their sales, and just kind of the whole back end. Yep. And so uh, my business partner knew, uh, knew one of the owners of Lifted Anchors. His kid's name is Derek. He's uh, still working with us right now. Yep. Um, and they've had a good relationship. And he, he at first wanted us to just do his sales. And then, you know, we talked, and then we kind of realized, like, the holes in his company we're just like hey this is the opportunity that we have let's get together instead of us selling for you let us let us partner up with you guys let yeah. us do your back end help you with the production help you with the sales and that's how that went about yeah and were they really small when they came to you oh yeah they were just a garage brand yeah uh, they were just a garage brand just selling directly to uh, directly to consumers in a couple of handful of wholesale stores yeah yeah interesting then then what i want to i just want to go through because the list of brands is so this is when i was looking through all the information mm -hmm. the list of brands was so big that i want to kind of explain each one and the, oh, yeah. and the mentality behind it so what was the next one after that oh uh, the next one after that was uh crisp chris mm -hmm. denim so the whole idea after that was that we wanted to do something that was more for the majors, yep. uh, based on the Zoomies. That's just a price point denim. Yep. Just because Embellish is a higher price point denim, it's about hundred dollars and one forty retail, and Chris is anywhere from like forty all the way to about sixty two. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to get into that big box store because at the end of the day, big box money is a lot better than, you know, it's going going to individual accounts one by one. Yep. And so when we developed it, we developed it just for big box stores. But then at the same time, it picked up with all of our individual boutiques as well. Mm -hmm. And is that also... Uh 
design-wise, is it similar to embellish or, or pretty different? Um, there's some aspects that are similar, but most of it's different. I mean, the material's different. Yeah. Um, just some of it's a little bit uh, cleaner. Yeah. Some of the aesthetics is just uh, different. Got it. What was next? Uh, and the next one was foundation footwear. So foundation footwear was actually an idea that uh, that one of my business partners had. His name is Keith. He owns actually Black Market as well. Yeah. And uh, his uh, other partner, Angel. So they had a shoe this shoe brand um, concept, uh, concept sampled and everything too. And they brought it to us. They're like, hey, what do you think about selling our brand? And then, you know, me being a rep, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not selling anybody else's brand yeah. because I know I'm going to be what I could do. And at so what I was, point, at what point, sorry to cut you off, but at what point were you like, I'm just never selling anyone else's brand ever again? After embellished. Okay. Yeah, after yeah. embellished. I'm like, I'm not doing none of this shit for nobody for free. But at that point, everyone's starting to come to you. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at this day, we still get a lot of brands come to us, you yeah. know, and at the time and now it's just like, you know, I'm spread so thin with all the brands I have. I'm not bringing on any anything that I don't need. Yeah. Do you look at it as like I'm only like do you do you think you'll add a lot more brands? No. Do you look at it as you're the only time you would consider it is if you were a partner in it and exactly. you saw a huge 100%. potential? If I'm not getting a piece out of it, I'm not doing it. And how much do you put on the. uh how much do you put on the team of people that are already coming to you? Meaning like they have to be competent enough to handle the thing where you can just do your part and everything will be good as opposed to, oh, this is a good idea, but I don't know that those guys oh, man, can run it. Man, it's tough though because, you know, we get in situations where we do some, uh, do some stuff with people and the next thing you know, me and my business partner and my team do so much more than we thought we were going to do. Yeah, that seems like you it'd know, be a common we're super We're problem. super hands-on in everything in terms of the sales, the distro, the back end, the marketing, the social media, everything. Yeah. I like, I don't want to do anything unless I'm, like a hundred percent all in. Yeah. Okay. So go, go on with the shoes, with the shoe story. Yeah. So they had that whole idea. We we're just like, Hey, you know what? Um, since we have the distro, since we have the fulfillment, since we have everything, let's just kind of partner up with this. Um, you guys handle sales, you guys handle marketing and mm -hmm. we'll handle the rest. Were you scared on shoes? Cause it's uh, such a new thing. Yeah. At first I was scared on shoes though, but the product is good. Yeah. You know, it's a good product. Um, it's all the, it's all the trending shoes that you would be wearing. Um, that you'd be wearing with with what you would wear with embellish yeah at the end of the day you know there's that guy that's going to spend nine hundred a thousand dollars for a pair of saint laurent bottega boots yep. and then there's that other guy that's going to want something similar but with quality at a lower price point point. Yep. and then there's also that one person that's going to want want that look but at asos or pack sun for like a lot less mm -hmm. you know um and then the quality of the stuff was really good where the point i was like yo we got to get into this it's yeah. good interesting um was there any after that was that uh, the last one? That's that's it right there. Okay, so then so you have all those brands, and then you said you're still doing sales for a couple. Yeah, sales for a couple. We're still doing sales for EPTM and also Veritas Apparel. Uh, Veritas not apparel. Sorry about that. Jewelry. And why is that? Just because the just the relationship's good. You just yeah, they're the last two brands that were with us that yeah. didn't give me shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. How do you um, how do you manage it all, man? How do you like one problem that I have is uh compartmentalizing it mm -hmm. in your brain and mm -hmm. kind of okay this is shoe thing this is gene thing this is you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. you is there any skills or anything that you've kind of developed on how to organize and how to do all that stuff or you just find it easy to do oh man it's just kind of like an ocd with me i'm just so i just need to know what's going on all the time mm -hmm. and then me and my business partner back to this you know he was doing sales i was doing sales and he kind of bit the bullet mm -hmm. he was like yo 
we can't both be doing this. And so I, I took care of the sales and the marketing and he took care of the production and design. Mm -hmm. And so you, now you got a sales guy that's talking to talking to overseas China like from five o'clock all the way to like four in the morning. Yeah. And so, you know, he's I'm married, so I hate being away on the road. Yeah. So we were the first two years when we were in China, uh, Jesus, we were out we were going like every two and a half, three months. So in less than three years we were there twelve times. Nice. Um and then he he now is taking on that. So he's going to China all the time, sourcing yeah. fabric, talking to the factories. And I just pretty much just manage manage the sales and marketing side. It's crazy. <laughs> when, how long have you been married? Five years. That must be good, like, stability through all this chaos. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, there's nothing like... Go like trying to build 17 brands and also like trying to find a girlfriend <laughs> i know i know i like i say this all the time if it wasn't for her being so patient yeah then uh, i'd be so fucked up where did now. you meet did you meet at like a at a industry thing or no 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 she's she's not even in the industry um she's from crazy that is she's in mortgages so That's she's funny. a realtor she's That's a realtor her, her mom and dad like her mom and dad are like local like local celebs in like the little industry because they have a bunch of business out in the westminster area yeah um and she kind of just manages that whole thing. And yeah. so she's always out of my hair. She just understands. She understands. Yeah, that's good. That's important. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a moment when you thought this is all over? Like, did you ever have one of those moments, maybe in the beginning, maybe in wherever, where you just felt like this is all falling apart? Or did it, was it always kind of a good natural progression? Oh, no. Like, every single every single brand that pulls out of our showroom, I just feel as if it's all over. Yeah. It's just like you work so hard to build this brand. And it takes, like... X amount of months just to get it going and then once you get the brand in the stores it starts checking you're starting getting all these POs and they're like yo you're out I'm like oh fuck I gotta do yeah. this all all over again yeah and so like you know there's a bunch of sleepless nights where I'm complaining I'm just kind of worried off my ass because I'm like fuck so-and-so just fucking pulled out of the showroom what are we gonna do next yeah how old are you 35 What's the grand plan? Like you're 35, you have 27 brands and, <laughs> and you've done sales for 320. Like what's the, what's the, like what do you see 50 year old, uh, just tanned gold watch? Like, but what's your, what do you, what's it, you know what I mean? What's oh it, what's, man, what's, I, my end goal is just to take care of everybody around me. I have a big staff. Yeah. I have a really, really big staff. If you ever saw the operations, you'd be like, damn, that's your operations. Yeah. I have, Obviously, I have the, the sales agency showroom, right? So all the in-house reps, I have about eight. I have a New York showroom. I have a Southeast showroom. Mm -hmm. I have a whole operating team that just does all the logistics. I have a warehouse. I have a marketing team. And so where I'm coming from is I, I come from a small squad when we first started, and I want to take care of every single person, make sure they're all good. You know, the biggest part, the biggest thing that we did this year that I felt was a biggest accomplishment for me is offering healthcare and dental. You know, when we first yeah. started, you know, we weren't getting paid dick. Yep. You know, and so getting to that part to, to taking care of your staff and just offering that was huge for us. Yep. And at the same time, what people don't understand is that we're not invested by not one person. We mm -hmm. don't have a bank loan. We don't, uh, we didn't borrow money from anybody. All yep. the money that this company started off was from me and my business partner uh, saving, yep. just saving every single cent. Yeah. That's incredible. Is is you run all the brands out of the same other than the showrooms and the outside things and the warehouse? Is it all out of the same building in Orange County? Yes, everything except for House of Junior. I have I have a I have a I have partners in House of Junior. We we run the logistics and everything out in L.A. 
So is your offices like just different little sections of different, like does one, does the embellish corner feel like <laughs> embellish and the, or not really? You know, it's crazy thing. We just moved. So Travis is over here. He just helped us do this move. We were, we were in an office that was like about uh, 7,000 square feet and we tripled almost like 23, 24,000 square feet. Yeah. And so, I mean, the sales team is the sales team. They're all here. We got all little dope, dope little cubicles, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you got the, the marketing team in their own office and I'm right there. Um, next to the photographers and stuff like that too yeah. on like that one and that's where uh, Travis at yeah that's where Travis at nice. and then downstairs is the whole design team and, and so and that's across all brands like this is the photo <laughs> spot for all brands yeah, yeah yeah and you and it's never hard for you to like separate the do, do you have like one do you have like a photographer or a marketing team that's working on all yeah. brands no creative we kind of separate it okay. you know travi does lifted anchors he does embellish got it um and then we have erica she does she handles all the chris stuff and foundation nice and then obviously all the house of junior stuff is all my other partners got it so the main goal for you is you don't have some crazy goal of becoming a billionaire or taking your company public or it's more just about enjoying it taking care of people i mean i have some fun. i have some retarded goals you know Give everybody has me. retarded goals you Give know to me you know one of my retarded goals i wanted to be the next mark echo you know, okay, yeah, that was my whole thing. I was like, you know, I'm not going in this industry just to be like, oh, I want to be okay. Yeah, I've always liked nice things. Yeah, you know, when I was coming up as an industry, I'm going to the trade shows, I'm seeing the LRG guys blinged out, mm -hmm. I'm seeing the Crooks and Castles guys blinged out, and, and I'm just like, yo, I want that one day, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so at the same time, if you don't have big goals and big aspirations, where are you? Yeah, do you think the days of LRG, these massive brands, mm -hmm. not LRG in particular, but it is dead? The day of like, I'm Mark Echo or mm -hmm. I'm Jonas or I'm whatever, is yeah. that dead? Man, that's kind of hard to say just because the way like the industry's moved, there's no brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. You know, these kids now are just so fast on fashion that they are they don't care about a brand. When I was coming up, I was big time into Supreme. I'm only wearing Supreme. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm big time into Stussy, I'm only wearing Stussy. If I'm into 10 Deep, I'm only wearing 10 Deep. Mm -hmm. The kids now, they don't give a fuck. Do you want to know what else? I'll tell you what else because this is why I always preach. Mm -hmm. When you were growing up and you went to high school, your high school was divided up by the LRG kids, the whatever, the Hot Topic kids, yep. the skate kids, right? Mm -hmm. And they showed that by having weird colored hair and having their logos all over their shirts. That's how you showed who you were. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you have to take into account cell phones and social media. Mm -hmm. So now you say who you are because you have an iPhone 7, not an iPhone 5. <laughs> if you have a 5, you're fucked, right? It doesn't matter what <laughs> true, brand true. is on your shirt. True. You got a 5. Sorry, true. kids, if you're listening to this on a 5. But what's on your Instagram? How good was your Snapchat last night? How good? What are your apps? Do you play Angry Birds? There's this entire segment which takes up anywhere from 200 to $1,000 of a kid's wallet mm -hmm. that is how you express yourself. So you know brands don't even mean as much for human expression anymore. Nope. And that I don't know if is ever coming back because instead it'll be your virtual reality shit is better, your this is better, your pet robot's better. Like mm -hmm. it's gonna go, that's, what, that's what's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what the answer is to that, but I do think what's really interesting is what you're doing where you have However, six, how many brands is it total? Six brands? Six brands. Uh, seven brands is the showroom, five brands owned. Okay, so you have six brands, so you can kind of seven brands, so you can cover all these different little exactly. aspects as opposed to banking on having the next LRG. Yeah. Because I just don't see, keep in mind also, when L LRG and all those guys were doing well, there was no H&M, Topshop, Zara here. 
Nope. So you had to, I mean, paying $30, $40 for a t-shirt wasn't really a big deal. Yeah. Now you can go get 30 t-shirts for mm-hmm. $30. Well, at the end of the day, now it's different too because kids are shopping looks. You yeah. know, like kids are like, yo, you could either dress like Kanye West, uh, you can dress exactly like Kanye West wearing the, uh, like the fit from head to toe, or you can dress like Kanye West for a portion of the price. Yeah. You know, the kids, the kids now, they'll spend all their money on the shoes, yeah. right? And then they'll get the denim that looks very similar. They'll buy it from H&M or whatnot too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the top, they'll, they'll get a look that looks similar to Fear God, mm-hmm. similar to St. Laurent, similar yeah, to what? Uh, five bucks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And then your whole outfit costs 600 bucks, but your shoes was 200. Yeah. You know? So, you know, that's what, that's how kids shop nowadays. And it's, it's either you grow with the grow with what they're doing and try to uh, evolve, yep. or you kind of sit back and just get angry and you become a dinosaur. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And it's the age old, especially in clothing and in a lot of industries, it's the age old thing a lot because it's so trend driven and so especially it used to be so kind of brand driven when your brand is hot you have a tendency to want to stay there and think you know it all Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the exact moment when you have to change yeah and that's so hard to do because everyone's telling you that you're right and you're dead on and you have to now change you know what i mean yeah there's still like a handful of brands that kids are like yo i'm wearing that because that's that but 100 but in between it's not like it was back then yeah they're like it's like a needle in a haystack there's only a handful of brands like that like the only brands i could think of is like what fear god supreme supreme babe stuff like that yeah it's interesting um what do you do for fun (laughs) create brands oh man (laughs) i mean i mean i play basketball every wednesday with the guys at the office that's pretty much it and my weekends consist of just hanging out the kids and the family i mean i really don't have much free time do you separate like okay this is family time phones off dude i wish my wife fucking hates my phone yeah like that's the only issue that we have is because you know even when i'm at home mentally i'm not at home yeah just because my phone is going off i'm either talking to a rep talking to a factory talking to travis talking Mm -hmm. to anybody you Mm -hmm. know and and i get it i get where she's coming from because like even though i'm there my kids sitting there dad play with me dad play with (laughs) me and i'm like oh give me a second i'm on this phone real quick you know and at the same time i look back and i'm like damn i wish i i wish i spent less time on the phone but you know that's just one situation that you have to get into if you're like an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and you know you're a you're a business owner yeah do you have dreams of one day like uh moving to an island and, and quitting it all or do you love Dude, what you do i love what i do but at the same time the stress level is through the roof yeah you know I, i'm dealing with so many different peoples and randomly and there's always some shit that happens yeah yeah there's just no way out of it oh no no way um okay so here's the part here's here's my note to self part mm-hmm. um you've been through a shit ton <laughs> oh yeah you've uh you've lived these different lives created these brands whatever whatever if you could write a letter to your teenage self, mm-hmm. we'll say around 14. Yeah. Now knowing everything that you know, not only about work and how to create a brand, but also just about maybe life, stress management, mm-hmm. any of that shit. Yeah. What What would you tell your younger self now? Honestly, I would tell myself, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Just because every little thing when I was younger growing up, I just took it to the heart like this is the fucking end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shit, you know, shit happens. Um, you get you get screwed a lot, but then in the day, as long as you can kind of fight through it and just learn from it, mm-hmm. everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, that's good, really good. Uh, anything you feel like I'm missing? Anything? No, I mean, I just nothing crazy. I mean, every person that I work with that you know that is important, you know, is listed. Yep. What about anything upcoming? That any plugs you want to have people look out for or um, web? 
plug the websites, plug, this is the plug part. So oh, this is the plug? Tell, yeah. Plug? So, okay. So, so just, this is the part for you uh, no, to give okay. an advertisement. Okay. <laughs> this is where I get my, my followers up, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So my Instagram, Chris <laughs> underscore the leverage. Uh, follow our IGs for House of Junior. I add uh, House of Junior, H-A-U-S-O-V-J-R, uh, Embellish NYC, and uh, Lifted Anchors, and Foundation Footwear. There it is. There it uh, is. I appreciate it, man. I really thank you for doing this. Oh, and, no worries, uh, man. This is a good one. Okay, for sure. There it is. Peace. Peace.